Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Stewart, co-founder of The Market Distillery. Glad to have you here. Thanks for joining us again, this Alex. Love it. Glad to be here. So, hey, a little different take for you because we come in here, we typically talk about economic forecasting, whether it be in the Florida or national markets. But today, we're going to do a little different take. Today, we're actually going to talk about some of the impacts of what the Federal Reserve has been doing. And we've been kind of touting for a little bit now that they may go until they break something. Right. And um, we think we're starting to see a crack. And, uh, and inside of that, we kind of want to talk about what this could be. And today, particularly, we want to talk about the collapse of FTX. Right. And for our listeners, that's a, a very large crypto exchange. The third largest uh, crypto exchange just literally went bankrupt. And we're kind of going to talk about that. But ironically, a couple of episodes ago, we had Dan Habib on the show. And, uh, and for the listeners who didn't get a chance to listen to that, highly recommend episode nine. But at the tail end of that episode, he mentioned when we talked about you know, where would you put your money if you were choosing an exchange? And he said Coinbase. Ironically, he did not say FTX, which I thought was interesting Mm -hmm. when we had that conversation because a week later, FTX files for bankruptcy. And neither of us in that conversation even knew that was brewing in the background. That's how quick this whole thing unfolded. Um, But for our audience today, uh, we kind of want to talk about what happened set the stage of what went down, because this is important. And, uh, you know, and as a byproduct of this conversation, we want to encourage our listeners to really, you know, when you invest in something, whether it's publicly traded or privately traded, anything, wherever you put your money, do your own due diligence. Don't take anyone's for word for it or a sponsor's word for it. Like <laughs> really do your own diligence. Because as you see, as this story unfolds, the Tom Brady's of the world, you know, uh, the, the, the Larry David's, the list goes on. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, there were people that were endorsing this product unbeknowing to what was happening in the backside. And this causes a major ripple effect in the markets. And I, we, haven't, we haven't seen but one ripple, but there's more to come. And we're going to talk about that here uh, during this show. And then, you know, the other impacts of when one goes down, there's a domino effect. And we've already seen it happen. I mean, th- this, this bankruptcy just happened last week. And today we're recording this on November 30th, an additional an additional crypto has collapsed in BlockFi. Um, and some may say that this is the this is the beginning to an end. I'm not so sure of that, but we're going to talk about that as well. But then it brings us back to what we talk about all the time, why real estate may be so important. Sure. Why is this an asset you can touch? You can see, you can physically say, I walked in there, I know it exists. Um, there's a lot of value to that. Right. And there's a lot of people that are taking a stance right now that go, yep, told you so. We're not here to do that. We're here to kind of give you what happened and the ripple effects of that. Sure. So, um, you know, as, as we go through this here today, um, we, we kind of want to start with these these ideas of did the did the Fed break something? Sure. So, Alex, for for our audience, you kind of want to fill them in on what we've been referring to as that. Yeah. So the idea is we have uh, a system that's very connected, right? Financially, there's a lot of companies that are borrowing money to grow. There's interest rates associated all, with all that, and sometimes these companies are built upon the assumption that interest rates are going to stay low forever. You look at all the tech companies, so the FANG stocks, if you will. Right. These are companies that don't have a lot of profits, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of revenue, and the reason why they become valuable and why people will invest in them uh, in the stock market is the idea that when they do start to turn a profit, you think of the Amazons, right? Mm-hmm. Amazon gets so big, it's got so many users that when it does turn a profit, that profit's going to be mag- uh, just maximum, huge, a big number. Yeah, almost magnified. All right. And the um, the idea of low interest rates is if interest rates are very low, it actually allows you to come up with a better valuation for a company. And when your interest rates go up, suddenly now that valuation gets gets lower 
But more realistically, on a on a sort of personal level, you know, if you're borrowing money and the cost of that money goes up, suddenly it's a lot harder to repay that money back. Correct. Or, or it it you know makes it a lot more challenging for you to get a loan because now all of a sudden it costs a lot more. Yeah, just to kind of put in perspective for our listeners, if you have a credit card and you've been running the credit card up and you haven't been paying it off monthly, right. and your credit line is open and you keep running that credit line up, you haven't quite maxed it out yet. But all of a sudden, the interest goes up on that. That minimum payment could double overnight, which is going to cause you and your personal budget to say, am I going to not spend money on this and I'll take back and pay that credit card debt? Or am I not going to pay the credit card debt? Um, That's a whole other conversation. But that's kind of what unraveled here and what some companies go through and what causes them to get in that chapter, you know, 11 bankruptcy, if you may. So, you know, is this caused by the Fed or was this bound to happen? Well, we're, we're going to figure that out here in just a second here. So it, what's interesting is that FTX was not a publicly traded company. Um, you know, they probably were getting on the verge to be one, but they were not there. So I think that's important for this. And there's going to be a lot of questions of, yeah, well, you know, if the regulation was involved, we're already seeing that. If the SEC was involved and, um, you know, we'll talk about that as well. But I think the thing is this, is that when you have layers of regulation, sometimes stuff just gets buried and missed. I think in this particular example, there were so many people that were that were hoodwinked, you know, just completely like bamboozled about what happened. It's like, what? And how how did this take place? And at the at the purest of levels, this was the biggest Ponzi scheme we've ever seen. Right. I mean, when you think about the Ponzi scheme, you go back to Bernie Madoff, that right. was eight billion dollars. Right. You know, you go back to Enron, that was right. three billion dollars. We're talking about a thirty-two billion dollar collapse. Right. Thirty-two billion. That's four times greater than the next biggest one. And it happened so quick in a three-year period. And we're going to talk about how that happened. And we're going to talk about not only the companies lost money, but people like you and I lost money. And they're not getting it back right now. And to think that this was not at any point like, hey, what's going on over there is the most baffling story I've ever uncovered as we're looking through this here and as you dive into this. So let's jump right into it. So the, the founder of FTX is a gentleman by the name of Sam Bankman Fried. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's a that's a hard name to say to begin with. So we'll probably mess that up a couple of times here. Well, they call him SBF. They call him SBF. But Sam Bankman Fried, this is a gentleman that was 30 years old. Folks, 30 years old running a $32 billion organization. Now, I'm not saying you can't be a genius at 30 years old. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be a CEO at 30 years old. But I'm saying that's the first sign you got a 30 year old. By the way, founded the company at the age of 27 and 30 years old running a $32 billion organization. And to me, uh, that that that's in its mindset baffling. But as the CEO of FTX, he was ironically also the CEO of a hedge fund that he created in 2019 called the Alameda Fund. And I think that's really important that we understand that that fund existed, a hedge fund. He's the co-founder of a hedge fund, and he's also the founder of a basically a crypto trading platform. So when you think of a platform, for those of you that haven't listened to that episode, Dan Habib, think about a platform like Charles Schwab, TD, um, you know, list goes on and on, Meritrade. This is a platform just like that, yeah. an online platform. Basically like a brokerage. It's an online brokerage, thank you. But it was for crypto. Right. But it was privately traded. So that's what FTX was. In the background, there's a separate hedge fund called Alameda Fund. Alameda Fund. And so that was a hedge fund that would essentially just trade crypto hedge it long, short, invest in other cryptos as a byproduct of the hedge fund. While the two were not related, there's a lot of things that went on that kind of made this Ponzi scheme unfold. And then we're going to get into that. The thing that got Sam, I think, through the, you know, the the emperor with no clothes on kind of mentality is that he was a proclaimed minimalist. And one of the things his, his minimalist, you know, platform was, was that 
I don't really need all the lavish items in the world. All this money that I'm making, the reason we make this money is because we want to basically give it as a form of philanthropy, and we also want to donate to campaign funds. Now, I think this is important to say because he did a really good job of hobnobbing. He was doing a lot of you know campaign donations to, to one particular party, which right. that's not part of this conversation, but one particular party was getting a massive amount of um, donations. And it was the Democratic Party. Let's just call it what it was. The Democratic yeah. Party was getting a tremendous amount of donations. We're talking millions of dollars. And in some cases, it adds up to billions of dollars. And so he's donating, and he's liked by everybody. Sure. I mean, he's you, you can see photos of him online with the biggest of names in the Democratic Party. And everyone loves me. Why not? They're giving a million. He's giving millions of dollars. And at the same time, someone may have said, and we don't know what happens, but someone could have said, hey, I think something weird's going on over at FTX. And, and they're going to go, no, Sam's a great guy. He gave me millions of dollars. There's right. no reason to investigate somebody. He's sure. a great guy. He's giving millions. He's a philanthropist. He's a mentalist. He's exactly what this world needs is what was happening. In the background, um, let's kind of dive into what happened here. So at FTX, the way they would have their users essentially buy crypto is they would have you take money out of your checking account and put it into your, I guess, brokerage account if right. you made at FTX. Deposit funds. Yep. You deposit funds. So I deposit $10,000 US dollars in there. I would put it into an account and I would effectively have $10,000 of US dollars to, to spend money on. Now, now Charlie, our, our producer, you you trade crypto, don't you? I do. Okay, so what platform do you use? Coinbase. Okay, so you use Coinbase. Now, when you go into Coinbase and you buy, let's say, Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever you buy, it's just a straight, hey, listen, if the price is X, I pay X for it with a transaction fee, right? Right. Okay, transaction fee usually ranges what per trade? Oh, well, it depends on, I guess, how much you're trading, but let's just say it's like an average of like $3 for a part of that fee. Um, and then you also can pay, like, I think it's $30 a month if you want to do free trade. Right. So they have like an unlimited trade. They have like a monthly service. Kind of everybody's in this whole servicing thing where you want to pay a monthly fee. Have one. These guys said, hey, listen, we want you to buy and accumulate our own token that we made called FTT. Now, this is where the thing gets, this is where the whole thing starts to really, this is where the light bulb should have went off in the community. They created their own token and it's called a utility token. Mm -hmm. Now, this token has nothing of value. You have no ownership. It's it's essentially a VIP rewards membership. The Almost FTT. like airline miles or <laughs> It's exactly Chase like points. airline miles, yeah. except they allowed you to accumulate this. And the more you accumulated, you could use towards those service fees or those charges to buy down the the transaction fee, as Charlie just mentioned. So you you accumulate these because hey, if I if I get rewarded by doing certain things on the exchange, I'll get more of this token. And the more of this token I get, I can use and say instead of paying three dollars on a transaction fee or three dollars a month, I could use thirty tokens. Now we don't know that it was a dollar for you know dollar exchange there, but we do know they raised three billion dollars on a made up token. Yeah, we do know that. They raised $3 billion on a made-up token. So there's red flag number one. Now, my favorite part about this token is this. <laughs> it's, it's to intend to help reward the user across the ecosystem and prevent clawbacks. This is the most ironic part of the whole story because clawbacks are when an investor loses money due to liquidation. What does that mean in simple terms? <laughs> so, Explain that to me like I'm a kindergartner. So if a coin liquidates itself or your your, your account becomes liquidated, this here, this is here, this utility token is here to protect you. Does anybody find a problem with that? Because I mean, we're here bankrupted right now and we have no protection. Sure. Right. And so, you know, the way we think of protection is FDIC, you know, is the account insured. This was their form of insurance, which was completely made up, completely made up and built on a false premise because of what we're about to explain happened. He 
excuse me, he created FTT to save trading fees for everyone. But here's where it gets really interesting. Essentially, he said, hey, what we're going to do, and we're going to start taking some of this money that we're making in this token, mm-hmm. and we're going to send it over to Alameda Hedge Fund that we talked about. Now, at this time, he's still, he's still running Alameda, but he said, I can't run both companies. So he put another person in charge, uh, Caroline Ellison, in charge to run this fund. Now, what's interesting about that is if you look up Caroline Ellison online, she literally looks like she's in high school. The reality is she's 29 years old. I think maybe even 28 when she took over. One year of trade, one year of trading, basically experience at a hedge fund. Right. But she didn't do what she was doing. She didn't run a hedge fund. She had one year of experience. So she makes her way. Her background is that she's a Stanford grad and she was raised by two MIT parents. Like literally that is the headline on her. Apparently the two had a relationship you know, but he promotes her over to the CEO of a hedge fund that he uh, created. Now, here's where I love this part. She's trading with this $3 billion and they're having a little success in 2019 and 2020. I mean, the crypto market was roaring, right? So automatically she's, she's labeled a genius. Sure. We need to send more money over to her. So she's making money. We're pumping money. So what we're going to do is we're going to take some of the money that we've made at FTX, profits that we've made, and now we're going to put those profits over at the Alameda Fund. And through 2020 and 2021, this looked great. This looked fantastic. And then all of a sudden, the market changes on them. And what happened was they essentially got greedy. Like, they already have have billions of dollars. Why do you need more billions of dollars? That that part, they're going to have to answer at some point. But they got greedy. They wanted more billions. Sure. Now, what they did in the background between 20, late 2020, early 21, while they're pumping all this money over there, you start seeing massive commercials pop up. Like you, there was a commercial during the Super Bowl with them that ran. I mean, that had to cost gazillions of dollars for Alameda. No, for for FTX. FTX, yeah. And who was the spokesperson, Alex? Who was the main spokesperson? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom and Giselle. <sighs> and then also Larry David, right? Yeah. Well, you've got there these you know individual superstars, megastars, a label of security, a right. brand that everyone recognizes online endorsing FTX. Why? Because they want me, Alex, and Charlie, and the rest of the United States to go. I need to get off Coinbase. Or if I'm going to get in crypto, FTX is the future of crypto. Yeah. That's literally what the commercial said. And you've got this conversation taking place between Tom Brady and Giselle, and they're talking about their money in crypto. They, they, yep. Hey, why wouldn't you invest, right? The best of the best are endorsing it. So that's what's happening in late 2020, early 21, all the way through 2021. Right. And the accounts and the users account are bringing this platform to the third largest in the United States. So they're gaining tons of momentum. They're making tons of money in the Alameda fund and everything's going great. And in the meantime, he's taking all the billions that he's made and he's pumping millions into campaign funds, philanthropy, you know, buying things that are just crazy purchase price for. Mm -hmm. And what we need to disclose here is that there is a second largest, second largest platform called Binance that Sam Bankman Freed used to work for and has a major conflict with the CEO. And so these two are in a measuring contest and picking on each other the entire time. So he's stirring up the pot with this guy, trying to overtake Binance as the top platform and get to Coinbase, and he wants to be the guy. So he's doing things out of essentially ego, right. and he wants he needs more money to do it. So that's the real reason why. So he's got spokespeople, he's got money coming in, and then crypto takes a little bit of a dip. And this was one of the interesting parts that I think happens. So you've leveraged the hills. Yeah. And a dip comes and you're like, man, we're not making the money we need to make. So what do you do, Alex? Oh, you dig deeper. You dig deeper. You double down. Except this part, greed becomes a problem. He literally 
takes money from the accounts of people like you, me, and Charlie. They take money from the accounts of users and money that they've got from other corporations that have invested, and they start sending it over to Alameda. Right. I mean, one of the largest investors was Kevin O'Leary, the guy from Shark Tank. Right. I think hmm. I read $3.4 billion. That, yeah, that's a huge number. You know, I mean, that might not be 100% accurate, but it's a big number. Right. They're taking money and they're throwing it over to Alameda. At this point, they're doubling down. And the concept behind that was that, listen, we'll, we'll dollar cost average, but a really big way. We're going to buy down when it's lower and ride it back up. And Lord knows what they were going to do with that money. Were they going to put the money back in the accounts? But- when well, they were when they were making profits, they weren't putting the money in the accounts that they were making profits on. Right. We do know that. And just to clarify, when we say they were taking money from customers, it's not like you as a customer notice your you account had no idea. says because the account I have online my money. said I have my right. money. It's almost like when a bank doesn't have your cash <laughs> in the vault, right? And I'm not Correct. saying that that is um, to the same level or the exact same thing, but that's that's relatable. Is you know, you put $100,000 in the bank. Well, they're going to keep 10000 at the branch. That's right? correct. That kind of a thing. Yeah, that's exactly and right. And they're going to lend out the other money to, to make money But when you walk into that bank, you have the assurance that the FDIC knows my money's there, and right. if something goes wrong, they will give me that money back up to a certain amount they're of dollars. They're happy to print that, right. money, happy to print that money and give it back to you. Yep. So in the meantime, they've doubled down. They've taken money from the users. They've taken money from sponsors. They've taken money, taken money, and they're still throttling money back out to the Tom Brady's of the world and the Larry Davids, and he's still donating and hobnobbing. And in the meantime, no one's seeing this coming because Sam's such a great guy. Yeah. He's such a good dude. Like, how could you not? How could he do such a terrible thing, right? And so as we travel down this rabbit hole, well, crypto went down again. Right. So now, now you're, you're, you're left scratching your head like, hey, listen, we didn't take all the money from the user accounts, but man, we took a good amount and now we're losing even more money. At this point, the bell should have went off. Like a moral compass should have kicked in and said, we just stole, because that's what you did. You took it without permission. You stole it. Yep. We've lost. Okay, we've got we've to at least make right on this now. Yep. Maybe that was the point you sell the company and you put the money back. And, you know, if you even have that kind of moral compass, but you at least put the money back and make it whole, make the users whole and let's move on. Maybe avoid some jail time, right? right. That would have made sense. Right. But that's not what they did. That's not what Ponzi schemes do, right, Alex? Correct. Well, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. Yeah. So what did they do next? Well, they uh, they continued to dig deeper, try to raise more money. They took the rest of the money and, from the other users. Yep, they yep. took everything and they put it in there. And then they did the one thing that just is, here's the mind boggling thing. You know, you're so deep. I guess this, I guess this is what you tell your kids. You know, one lie leads to another lie leads to another lie. It's hard to cover it all up, but they just kept digging deeper and deeper. Right. So they took all the money, right? And, and if you're a listener right now, you're going, they did what? And were, were these users able to take their money out? Oh, oh, that's, oh that, yeah, good point. This is where it's coming, Charlie, great point. But before the user could even recognize was what's going on, because at this time, what happened was as crypto's going down, most people weren't liquidating their accounts. Right. They're like, you know what? I just got to- I lost a lot of money. I, I lost a lot of in. money. I got to keep pumping back in there. So right. they're getting new money coming in or there's, or people are saying I'm dollar cost averaging, or maybe it's a dead cat bounce. Maybe it just bounces and comes back up. But I got to, if I sell, I lost. If I don't sell, I haven't lost. So these users, to your point, Alex, are seeing everything trade online, right. but they haven't understood yet that that money is not there, but that does come in just a matter of, in just a matter of minutes that does come. So after they took all the money out, they also did what? They put it on margin. Yeah. So here's the one thing you don't do, right? I mean, the, who was doing this was a 29 year old child who's never traded before. That's what happened. And she margined that debt, that account, and for people at home, you want to explain what margin is, Alex? Yeah. It's basically, you're going to borrow money to invest at a, at a, and you're investing borrowed money. And so the idea is if if you do win, 
it's like you went to the the casino on borrowed money and you know you can pay your loan back and you get to keep all the profits that's the idea right it, it exactly allows you to make way more money off of a small amount of of starter money from a trader's perspective if you have ten thousand dollars in the account now you got twenty thousand dollars account but you're borrowing that money at a rate of you have to pay an interest, an interest rate, rate on yep. it right well, guess what those interest rates are based on, Alex? Uh, short-term interest rates. Short-term interest rates. Yep. And who controls that? The Fed. And what have they been doing over the course of the last six months? Raising it. Raising it. Right. So they're borrowing money right. at what you said earlier, great point, at a perceived lower rate and that it's going to stay low. Correct. So in late late 2021, early 22, boom, 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 this is all happening. Sure. Rates were significantly low. And as long as that variable stayed good, they might have gotten away with this. I don't know that they would have, but let's say they might have. At least they had a fighter's chance, right? <laughs> in this case, rates go up, go up. So what happens when you borrow money and you're not making money on that money? You're still, say, stagnant in the crypto market or you're having ups and downs, but more importantly, you're not gaining. You're, you're stagnant mm -hmm. or you're going down a little bit. What happens when interest rates go up and everything remains the same? Yeah, well, the, the lenders that gave you that money are going to say, hey, you need to give us back some more money or you need to <laughs> yes. put more money in the pot to uh, That's correct. To allow us to feel comfortable to let you keep these loans. And it's called a margin call. Which it's we called a about. margin call. Yeah. And so they got margin calls from all the creditors they borrowed money from. Yep. Well, when you're not making money and that margin call came at $8 billion. Right. $8 billion with a B. Mm. They tapped out and said, we're done. We're bankrupt. And then that leads to the question, well, how could you be bankrupt? You got $32 billion on the books. How are you bankrupt? Right. Well, it's not real. <laughs> it's, it's not real. It's a Ponzi right. scheme. Right. We stole it. Right. And so then to Charlie, your point, word starts to seep out because what happened was at this point, he had made the person at Binance so mad with all of the bickering, the CEO of Binance, he had just teed him off, pissed him off so bad that the, the owner of Binance was the largest holder of the FTT token. A lot of people don't know that. He owned more token than anyone else on the exchange. Matter of fact, I think it was like 53% mm -hmm. of the tokens he owned. So what did he do? He said, I'm going to sell. He said, I'm going to sell. I want to sell all my tokens yeah. because he sniffed blood in the water. He knew exactly what he was doing. And his goal was to basically liquidate the company and take it over and rub it in Sam's nose. Right. So he basically forced, he forced the sell, which was a creditor calling saying, I want my money. Well, they didn't have it. Then the margin calls came. So when word got out, and it only took seconds when he went to Twitter and said, hey, I can't get my money from FTX. They're going to have to sell to me because they owe me. Then the word got out. Then the users like me, Charlie, and you were like, let me go to my account and get, wait a minute. My money's not transferring. It's right. on hold. Right. Which is not uncommon for crypto, unfortunately. I feel like there uncommon. is a history in the last six to 12 months of people trying to get money out. 24 and, months. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and the exchanges either being you a know, server shut maintenance. down or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've and, seen it all. And that's the hard part. And I think, um, you know, oh, and the timing is so ironic. Oh yeah, when it's when it's when it's running low, and you're yes. like, "Hey, I want to do this," they're like, "Up, oh, sorry," which makes us all think it's leverage, right? It might all be leverage, or you know, if if when it's really high, and you're like, "Oh man, I'm at a point, let's sell it and get out," and it's like, "Oh, maintenance issues," and you, just, and you lost twenty percent because you couldn't sell when you wanted to sell. It does bode the question because we can't have regulation right now, and there's nothing to physically touch. What what kind of what kind of you know moogie foogieing is going on in the background? Yeah. It's well, the best term I could have, Charlie. It's moogie foogie. Just, it's just moogie foogie. And I mean, you know, but it's it's really it, it's it's mind it's mind baffling. It really is. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are gonna take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. 
They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at www.boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. Well, and when the price is going up like it did, yeah. nobody wants to look deeper. Nobody Correct. cares. Hey, it's it, a party. Everything's working. Yep. Why would we ask questions? <laughs> like, How can I put more in there? That's, we've that's heard the, the challenge. Over, it's almost like we work to a point, right. you know, the company we work. But what happens is everyone in this digital age, to your point earlier, these tech stocks, everybody wants to be the next unicorn. And right. he was on track to be the unicorn. Right. That's another reason no one wanted to look at it. Right. Well, and it was more real. I mean, he had his, he had his company's name on the arena Everything. in Miami. It was right? everywhere. So that, that affects Florida. But you know, and just to sort of explain like the Madoff thing, just to to give an extra level of, of context here, you know, he was generating money for his clients where if you invested money, he'd mm-hmm. say, yeah, I give you seven, eight percent return automatic, never have any issues. Yep. And from an investor standpoint, that's all you want. Mm-hmm. But the way he generates that is by getting new money in. New and then money. he takes the new money and gives it to his existing clients. And as long as he can generate new money, Ponzi scheme, everything works. Yep. Same thing here with what was going on. As long as FTX could bring in new people that were depositing money on the exchange, he could continue to sort of keep the game and going. He did that through those commercials right. with the people's brand and recognition to go, oh, Larry David's there? Tom right. Brady's there? Right. Wow, it was like Crypto.com. It was on all the Formula One stuff. Correct. I mean, their marketing campaign was so good that the price really went further than it should have gone, but right. it was all really because of the marketing. You That's know? correct. And so the <laughs> largest holder, getting back to this, of the FTT token was the president of Binance, who was the CEO, who was in a bickering war with Sam. So right. he said, you know what? I'm going to force to sell because I think there's a liquidation problem. And when I force it, you're going to sell the company to me. So in the meantime, this word gets out. Everyone's trying to get their money. They can't get it. And he's like, hey, everyone, hold on. Binance is just going to acquire. We're just going to acquire FTX, and and I'm going to officially shut this dude down because we're already at a war. He's poked the bear, you know. It takes him three days with auditors to go, this sale's not happening because I'm not buying it because these books are cooked. He, I mean, it didn't take him long at all. He said, we got a big problem with the books. This is not going to happen. He goes, yeah. the, actually, I think he was quoted saying, it's the biggest mess I've ever seen. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, the big problem happens. Everyone wants their money back. All the creditors are calling. The debts are loading up. $8 billion people want back. Can't do it. Yep. So they file for Chapter 11. Yep. Now, this minimalist, this is my favorite part, you know, minimalist, he's living in a $10 million home in the Bahamas at this point. It seemed like he owned half the island. I mean, based on everything <laughs> that keeps coming out, his parents yeah. had a bunch of properties there. Yeah. The company He's were, living yeah. it up. And he moved the company there in 2020. And all the executives lived there with him in this huge mansion. And, you know, what was happening is as, the, as Ponzi schemes become, you know, uh, unraveled, if you may, right. what's interesting about it is someone breaks in that Ponzi scheme. Someone's conscious takes over and says... I, I can't live with myself. I got I got to get this off my chest. Yeah, or the Fed say, if you talk to us, your penalty is going to be a lot less. Or the Fed say, tell right? me now, correct, cooperate, we'll be all right. all right. Well, that's not what happened here. Caroline Ellison was told by the executives how to handle this with the Alameda Fund when she went in to tell them that they were shutting it down. 
Well, when she went into the conference room, she breaks the, 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 the testimonies say, or the accounts say she breaks down in tears and claims she messed the whole thing up and tells it, spills her guts to everyone what they did. So the entire room of traders, hedge fund people are going, we did what? Yeah. And you were a part of it, unbeknowing. And she just has a mental breakdown and totally spills the beans about what they did. Well, there goes, there goes the Ponzi scheme. Now it's really unraveling. Yeah. And we're seeing it take place right now. And what what's gonna happen here with this is this guy's gonna be extradited from the Bahamas. Like it's going to happen. I mean, uh, wh- you know, while they're not part of the United States, they will cooperate with the United States. Now, apparently, you know, I think the crazy part is I think they filed for bankruptcy in the Bahamas, and there's different bankruptcy laws there that are here. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, if this becomes criminal action, right, he's gonna find his behind here. And I, I don't I don't see any coming back from you know Bernie Madoff. You saw what happened with him. This is the largest financial crime in the history of the United States by yeah. far. Now, as <laughs> here's my favorite part. So now all the lawsuits are being filed. Sure. They're just cu- massive ones. Everyone we just named is also named in this lawsuit. Sure. Larry David, Tom Brady, Giselle, Trevor Lawrence. The list goes on and on. Yep. On and on and on. And the lawsuit behind that is that, well, you, you falsely led me to believe that this was okay. Now, that sounds a little over the top, right? Right. But in lawsuits, you just grab the deepest pockets and go after whoever you can because you want to get it. Well, when most people get a sponsorship, you got to think that the agent has like an indemnification clause in there, right? Right. And that indemnification clause, even when we sign an agreement with a vendor, there's an indemnification clause. But what this is making me realize and what this is making, I think the world realize is an indemnification clause for our audience. What that means is that if, if I signed a deal, well, let's say in Tom Brady's case, that if, if, he gets sued. He gets sued. Out of his FTX would indemnify him, and they would cover the cost of like any attorney fees. Of any attorney fees, and if they lose, they would pay it for him. That's how uh, that would work. But until you're, if the company's broke and has no money, who's indemnifying who here? Nothing. Right. Nothing. Yep. Now, by no means are we saying Tom Brady's going to have to pay this out, but it does bode the question. There's going to be some legal wrap up in this. Yeah. And and you know, I think they're even they're even saying they've lost millions of dollars in this too because oh, they sure. invested in the platform, and a lot of these people took money in the form of FT, of the token, a lot of people took money in the form of the utility token as their payout. Yeah. I mean, you see all these NFL stars taking Bitcoin and payouts and, you know, through their signing bonus. A lot of people have taken that. Now, I'm not saying it was on FTX. It might be other platforms, but they've taken it, and some of these guys did too. It's really interesting to see how that's going to end up and where it goes. But as we kind of travel down that rabbit hole, um, I think the, the bigger question here is, you know, how does that go unnoticed for so long? Yeah. You know, how, how does that happen? And I think this is the part where, you know, you and I talked pre-show was, this is where you got to do your due diligence. Now, could, if you were invested in FTX, could you have discovered this? I mean, well, I mean, in, in theory, it would be very difficult for the average consumer correct. to know anything that's going on. Right. But I think people get wrapped up in the glam of, shoot, Bitcoin's going to the moon. It's at 60,000, <laughs> next step, 100,000, right? And you don't know. Right, you don't. That's the hard part, but it is... It's almost like you're juiced up on the intoxication of the rise. It's yeah. like, oh, it's going to the moon, baby, to the moon. Right. And, and in the meantime, not to interrupt you, the only thing going to the moon in this equation was the Alameda fund and going on FTX because that same Allison, uh, or Ellison, uh, Caroline Ellison said... During the 2021, that there was paraphernalia everywhere the entire time, and everyone was on drugs during this time. That's the only thing going to the moon sure. right now were the people there using that stuff, sure. just to put in perspective. So we had non-traders, non-experienced, basically intoxicated slash high trading over there, and we wonder why this didn't work. Yeah, well, and I think 2020, 2021, I mean, either you bought property— 
you bought crypto, you were in the stock market. Everybody felt like they were now trading masters and oh, geniuses, yeah. right? Everybody. And, and I, I love it. Including real estate. When I had a plumber come to my house to work <laughs> on my shower, <laughs> I remember he's this. got YouTube going the whole time he's there working on it. Yes. Where they're live streaming the markets. And he's like, I'm making more money in the markets than I am of doing plumbing. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is where you know there's an issue. That's right. When, that- when the average Joe, and I'm not saying he wasn't smart. Listen, plumbing, I'm sending my, my son to all the trade schools. But but when he comes in and says stock market trading and, and crypto, that's where everything's at, it, it makes you go, look, yep. we got to take a step back here and and think about, okay, where's reality? That's a, I've heard that story many different ways. Yours happened to be the one that happened to you. I've heard it from many other people about the lawn guy, so forth and et cetera. But when that person has a beat on the market, right. that their every day is not to be in that market, and they're giving you tips, yep. we know we are an intoxicated level of what's right. going on, that everyone's an expert at this point. And um, don't get me wrong, with all due respect to plumbers, you, you could be a better investor than me, right? right? But the reality is, if you're giving tips and talking about making more than that, that just shows you that the market is just, it's there for the taking at that point. Yeah. Well, You're, nobody cares if everybody's making money. Nobody wants to look at what's right. going on behind the scenes because every everything's good. Right. We always talk about a success hides the mistakes and the weaknesses. It masks it. Yep. Right. And, and so you can um, unfortunately miss a lot when times are good. Uh, good point. And so I don't think that the average consumer could have caught this, which is why they didn't, which right. is why it went on for so long. Unless you were just a consumer that was trying to get your funds out and you're like, oh, why did I transfer my funds? What's going on? And then, you know, FTX, like a lot of those places, they don't have a phone number you can call. You got to email support and figure it out, which is a whole other weird thing, you know. Right. And, and at least to your point, Charlie, at least Coinbase has got their stuff together. And you want to know why Coinbase has to have their stuff together? Anybody want to guess? Public company. They're a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ. They got people to answer to, right? Which bodes another question. So they at least have to have a phone that works. And they at least have to adhere to certain things. And they have to turn in paperwork. Yep. And they have to be fully vested. And they probably, you know, they're probably not getting away with, you know, taking people's money and investing in a hedge fund or having, you know, product that they, they're selling that they don't have. You know, right. I doubt any of that's happening over there. Kudos to them for that. But the reality, that's not what was happening at FTX. And then they also made up a coin, right? which is in its own right, a utility token, which you can kind of see where this was going. That, to me, would have been the first sign. Right. Okay, I've got to, I have to use their weird token on their exchange. You're not publicly traded. And I hate to say it, you got a young man running a company that I don't really know much about. And when I look at this dude online, like I look at him and I'm like, you, some of these pictures, you look like you're intoxicated. Right. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the guy I'm trusting with my money. Seems a little weird to me. Like, like if you were going to hire someone, when the hiring process starts, due diligence is you go on social media, you look at these, you know, accounts, what they're doing, and you sometimes make a decision saying, is that going to represent my brand? Guarantee you, you go online and look at Sam Bankman Freed, and you look at his social accounts, real quickly, you'd be like, nope. Yeah, but crypto, the hard thing about crypto is I think you look at the majority of investors, they're either, the people that are really into this are young, typically. Typically. Or, or you know, under 40, we'll say. And I think there's the assumption that you have to have somebody that age to be an expert in this field yeah, because I just don't understand it. He clearly gets it, and, but did, and he's clearly eccentric he enough. Well, <laughs> he, he got clearly, the Ponzi scheme back. He got the Ponzi scheme back. He didn't yeah. get it. I, I get what you're saying. There's an identification of, hey, listen, I want to be identified with someone that identifies with me. But at the end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day, you have to say, listen— most crypto investors don't rely on someone like Sam Bankman Freed to guide them in the cryptocurrency. They usually turn to YouTube or they turn to their friends or they're on TradingView and they all got their schemes going on there right. because everyone's a technical trader at this point. That's how that works, right? 
And the reality is crypto has kind of, it intoxicated the market to your point to make people think they're better investors than they were. Yeah. I mean, the people that bought bit at 10, when it went to 60, you couldn't tell them that that was luck. They're like, nope, bit to the moon. This is what's going on. Now it's at 16, right? Yep. So it's still, a, it's still a great return on investment if you bought at 10. But if you bought more at 20 and you bought more at 30 and it went to 60 and now you're at 16, that ain't great investment, right? right. But you can't tell them that. And, and we talked about this with Dan Habib in the episode nine was that, you know, everyone's a great crypto trader. They'll tell you about all their successes, but they ain't going to tell you about their losses. And he started laughing. He was like, yeah, that's exactly how that market goes. Everyone's beating their chest. But this is, this, this was, this Alameda fund, they were prime example of whales in the market because they were using billions of dollars to pump and dump crypto. And it's manipulated because it's not regulated. Now, bodes the point, you know, and I'm going to give a complete, complete uh, props to Peter Schiff on this. Because if you haven't listened to Peter Schiff, you should check out his podcast. You know, it's fantastic. But he talked about an episode recently, I think it was titled Deja Vu, about uh, regulation, right? right? And he really does a deep dive on how regulation actually has hindered. And by the way, he's not pro crypto. He's nope. more anti, no one's more anti crypto than he is the kryptonite of crypto. Um, he's all about gold and silver. He's hard assets. He's been very, very well off in that. Um, but he goes into this deja vu about how regulation has actually hindered growth in the market. And he did a funny take on um, the gentleman from Shark Tank, uh, you know, that we just talked about. How Kevin O'Leary. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary was like, we, we just need more regulation in this. And he's like, no, you don't. <laughs> he's like, no, you don't. He's like, you don't need more regulation in this space. And he goes through this whole thing about how regulation has actually deteriorated growth in the markets right. and how the, even the, the SEC itself, you know, when it was founded, was founded on the premise of anti-growth and how there was never been growth like there was prior to the SEC coming into the stock exchange. Right. And he does a really good job with that. I just hats off to him because he really put in perspective on that episode of how really regular, because I think everybody's answer to this was it, the company just needed to be regulated. Right. Well, they probably needed a moral compass but regulation, I don't think, would have prevented this. Right. And so I think that's a that's a different aspect. And he has a really good take on that. So what we wanted to get into this was maybe the ripple effects. Sure. Yeah, so now and, that we've set yeah. the scene for the madness that's happened, uh, let's get into some of the ripple effects of this. And, you know, I think the first ripple effect is is, is crypto itself. Yeah. Well, trust has been lost. Is trust the hard has part. been lost. I mean, and I think everybody calls himself uh, an investor Ooh. and they call crypto an asset. And you know, you can probably tell with my tone how I feel, but, um, <laughs> Peter Schiff Jr. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, there's a difference between investing and speculation. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to look ourselves in the mirror and say, I'm, I'm actually speculating. And this happens in stock. This happens sure. in real estate. This happens in all sorts of different areas. But at the end of the day, everybody that was investing in crypto for the most part was speculating Correct. and that can lead to the outcomes like this yes. because it is a frenzy. It is not a, you know, I have a long-term plan of 50 years. I plan on putting money yep. away in actual companies that are earning revenue, that spitting off dividends, all that stuff. Um, so that that's one thing that I think people have to think about is, am I investing or am I speculating yeah. and being honest about that? And so for me, like, I, I'll, you know, publicly known that I was a rather large crypto trader during 2020 and 2021. And I, I believed in the system um, and, and I still believe in it. And we'll talk about what use it has moving forward here. But there were some moments where Charlie was talking about, you know, the servers would go down. And it was ironic how it would happen. And it really brought to light, I'm like, what is going on here? Why can't I get to the funds when I need to? Why can't I make the trades I need to when I want to make them? And that bothered me tremendously. And so I got out. 
and I got out in a position that 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 made me feel comfortable. But I got out nonetheless, and I got out in November of twenty one. Um, that that was completely ironic. I just I, the, the the things were building. I didn't like the way it was going, so I got out. But I've continued to follow it. Um, because it trades 24-7, and sometimes it's kind of come predictive of the early market openings too because they've been kind of trading parallel there. Um, and it is interesting to me. But as I got out, a lot of my friends remained in. And a lot of people that I, you know, sometimes you'd have these cohorts you would trade with, and we'd call it eye in the sky because it does trade 24-7. So there's a lot of things that would happen when when the other countries would come online and start trading. You see massive movements. So sometimes you need someone keeping an eye on that so you can alert your accounts and, you know, put your stop losses in there and, and gains and all that other stuff. And so you had to have a group that you would trade with, you know, so those groups could also watch. Everyone in my group didn't get out, even, you know, even though I did. And so I've kind of felt their pain with them as they've gone down this rabbit hole here. Right. Now, I believe in crypto. I don't believe in FTX and what Sam, you know, did over there. I think that, that that's, you know, I believe in that. I don't believe in stealing people's money. But what I do think is going to come of this is you have a blockchain that's very val- valuable. And I think the digital system is already set up for potentially, we've even heard about the Fed coin. Yeah, ironically debuted at the same time that this stuff is all going That down. is correct. Yeah. The Fed coin has debuted on at the same trial. time. Yep. And it's on a trial. But the blockchain system is already in place. And if you're the federal government, you're just sitting back going, oh, man, this is what I've been waiting for. The infrastructure is built. I don't have to pay for it. And I'm just going to jump on in. I don't even have to build it. And I'm going to get in on the game. But you could almost bet when the Fed coin does come online as a digital asset, two things are going to happen. It will be regulated, mm-hmm. number one. And then number two, it will be the um, – it'll take the place of bit. Bit will now be the secondary coin in the market. The Fed coin will be because of what's just happened here. I'm not saying that would have been the case before, but because because a lot of people use the old cash is trash type mentality and they don't believe in fiat, but th- that will be the new standard because of what just transpired. Yeah, which just to clarify, is fiat just in a digital form? Correct. At this point. At this point. It, it's going to be tied the, to. It's going to yeah. be tethered to. Right? Well, and Peter Schiff talks about there are cryptos that are backed by gold, which I just want to bring that up because sure. that might be a more valuable form of crypto of when we look at where could this go in the future and it actually be usable and reliable right. and things and like that. And same backed by silver. Right. So you've got that, you've got the commodities that are backing, you know, some of these coins, but the infrastructure is in place for them to be used. Right. The same way that Bitcoin was being used at ATM, the same way Bitcoin is being used. You know, there was a time in 2021, I went, uh, I went to California. And we're in San Francisco. And I kid you not, like, we just got done at a restaurant. And the lady asked me, how did I want to pay? And I jokingly said, oh, in Bitcoin. And she was like, okay. And they had, it was set up on the darn, like, the little, yeah, the little thing they bring reader. to the table. Yeah. They would have taken the Bitcoin right out of Coinbase. No transaction fee. It was all set up. It was in place. And they were willingly accepting it. And so you could get, you know, you could break it off into the Satoshis and sell it. But, like, that blew my mind. That blew my mind. So the, the infrastructure is in place. It's already there. Mm-hmm for the Fed coin and the gold and, and silver to come online. And I think that that's something that's going to come of this. Right. I think that's not a ripple effect. That's a that's a byproduct of this that will happen. Um, but I think there's a ripple effect that we saw happen on a dominant side where BlockFi yep. has now collapsed. And I'm surprised they didn't collapse earlier because they basically are a lender of crypto. And so <laughs> they're the margin. They, they say, deposit your Bitcoin with us yeah. and we'll make loans to you off of it. So you don't have to sell your Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. We're just going to hold it as collateral. And the issue with that is when the value of your collateral goes way down. How do you pay the interest? Correct. And and so I'm, I'm surprised they lasted as long as they did. Yeah. But, but it's not shocking to me in that regard to see that company go down because the value of all the assets behind all their loans, I mean, they have nothing but bad loans. And for right. the real estate relation, that's like, again, 
a, a mortgage company making like loans all over again. Right, making loans off houses, then the value of the house goes down. That's, you got no asset behind the loan. That's exactly the best yep. way to describe it. That's exactly what happened. BlockFi was a victim of a declining market right. where they overextended and had to pay interest on the overextension. They just said, I can't do anymore. Enough's right. enough. Right. So they're done. That's number two. There, there's probably going to be a couple more after this. And it's yeah. going to be very interesting. I bet the two remaining are going to be Coinbase and and probably Binance, maybe Crypto.com. But I'm yeah. going to say it's probably Coinbase and Binance at this point. And honestly, if it comes down to those two systems, it's easier to put both of them under some sort of regulation and, and you know, put them on the exchange. One's already there. To get the other one on probably becomes a lot easier. Yeah. And, you know, you got to think that once regulation kicks in and this is regulated – there's a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines with just big companies. You know, let's take Apple, for example. They've got billions on the sideline, maybe trillions, of, <clears throat> probably more like it. They're look, they are constantly looking for places to put their money, but they're not going to put it in something that's not regulated. They can't answer to investors that way. But once it becomes regulated, it might be a worthy while call just to throw a little money in there. So there could be, you know, you could see some wins out of that for the crypto market once that happens. But for the general public, there's going to be a lot of scared going on, especially after this. Yeah, and I think they're going to shift towards, okay, well, look, I, I, it's not making money, mm-hmm. so it's not attractive to me as much anymore. Right. Uh, I can't trust it as much because now I'm not sure if I put money in it, if I'm going to ever get it back because I've seen lots of evidence that I could have issues with that. So where am I going to put my money? Well, to me, this suggests that something like real estate, mm-hmm. something like, you know, again, the stock market to a degree is going to be where people say, okay, look, we got to go back to what we know works, what has a long track record, what we can see, right. touch. Hey, guess what? I can actually do an inspection on a house before I buy it to right. know what I'm getting into, right? An appraisal. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Right. And so I think this is going to help real estate at the end of the day because people will say, look, you know, maybe I don't have as much money to buy a house now because I thought I was going to have that money for my down payment for <laughs> my like crypto fund. Crypto. Right, right. <laughs> but I at least know that when I buy a property or I buy an investment property, which right. we would encourage everyone to think about doing, it generates cash flow every month. I know the market. It's local. I can go visit it. I can choose who lives in my house. I can right. I can have them do a credit report check. There's a lot of value in in maybe potentially choosing to invest in real estate rather than so. What a I just heard there asset. was there's a lot more control. Sure, there's a lot more security in being able to touch and see your asset. Right, and then you make the decision of that asset. And then also there's a couple of things that asset's insured. Sure. It's insured with homeowner's insurance. Yep. You know, it's got some sort of level of insurance behind the loan. Yep. There's a lot of things. You got double layers of protection on that home if something goes wrong, right? And you're usually buying it for cash flow. You're mm-hmm. not buying That's it exactly. assuming the value of the house is going to go to a billion dollars. You're right. buying it because, hey, guess what? I, want the I make $400 dividend. a month on this house. Yeah, I want the monthly dividend. And if the market goes up on the price, great. So that brings another thing. I didn't, you know, in my experience in the crypto market and what I've still followed, I don't know a single crypto that pays a monthly dividend. It doesn't exist. Now, they all want you to, what they call staking, buy a stake in the coin, and that's future revenues, and then they'll pay you an APY, you know, based on that. But we just, we know that. Sounds like a Ponzi scheme to me. Huge huge risk. (laughs) Red alert, right? I'm going to tie my money up for a year, sometimes two, and you're going to pay me 11%. But what if there's no, you know... What if, who's behind where's who's behind the uh the 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 curtain over there? What's right. going on? Right. And you know, this thing with Sam, you know, Bankman Fried is this is a pure example of the emperor has no clothes on. Right. You know, and we all know the child fable where everyone, the emperor is walking down the street and everyone's like, He looks so great. Look at it. Oh, this is amazing. And that takes a little boy to go, but he has no clothes on. Yeah. Right. And they're like, oh. it took someone to go. Sam Bank Freeman is stealing money. Right. Right. This is but everyone else was intoxicated in his philanthropy and his donations. And he's such a good guy. He's just a minimalist. I mean, he's doing this for all the right reasons. The dude was Robin Hood, but um, like at the worst level, 
yep. you know, and straight up stealing. There's one other ripple effect, though, that we're not talking about. And I do uh, I do appreciate what you said about real estate because, I, I, you know, we're not trying to spin this in any way. This is at the this is at the root of what it is. If you're an investor and you know now what you could have known then, do you invest in real estate or do you invest in crypto at FTX or crypto in general? Because every the crypto market's suffering because of this. Sure. Where do you put that money? And I think it's a simple answer, right? That's a given answer. It's it's a hey, cute, you know, that's a that's no a better, question. do better. No better, do better, right? It's real simple. But what about this impact? What about the Wall Street impact from this? Sure. What about the ripple effect from this into Wall Street? Yeah, I mean, and I think, one, when people lose money on this magnitude, it affects a lot of people. A lot. Because the people weren't only in crypto, I'm sure. Exactly. And, and we talked about this before, you know, for instance, when when one thing goes down, it causes you to sell good things mm-hmm. to cover your, your margin or to cover your losses or whatever. You need to recoup some money. And so it could have effects there where all the people that lost money here maybe now they don't have the money to buy a house that they were going to buy, so that can affect the real estate market. Or maybe now uh, they they have to sell their stocks to cover losses in the crypto realm. Um, but we could also see companies, we're not far off from these tech companies, right? The, the and I don't, I don't know any of this for Celia, but the Facebooks and the Zooms and all this stuff where it's these ideas of one day it'll make money, and so it's worth a lot. That could come to a halt. Well, I, think, I think what we're talking about is we, go, we need to be, if you're a value stock, right? If you're a value stock, you're probably you're in good shape here, right? Yeah, you but make I things think, and you sell things <laughs> you and you products, have profits. You can touch the product, yeah. you can sell the product. You saw the exchange take place. A value stock, you're probably not going to be phased by this. But to your point, tech stocks where you can't see, touch, feel, and you don't know what's going on, this is this this could cause right some potential issues there. And they're mostly related to crypto too, they right? Are. You think exactly. It's what crypto I was say. is is correlated to the Nasdaq like nothing ever. Right. And um, so, the people that were in crypto were probably in these tech stocks as well. Yeah. Or the owners of the tech stocks, and so that could impact those companies. Yeah. So I think that they'll be interesting to watch this. Right. And I think there's a couple of things looming in the background. We've got. Uh, the riots taking place right now as we make this in China yep. um, because of the draconian, um, you know, basically uh, government-style lockdown, yep. lockdown. People are tired of it. But the byproduct is that affects goods that are not being put in those containers and shipped across the United States and being made over there to our country as well as other countries. So we're seeing a backlog on that. We also have a potential railroad strike that's getting ready to happen here in the United States. There's a lot of looming factors that could make their way into Wall Street that are impeding right now. Right. And it's not just crypto. Crypto might be the biggest one right now, or excuse me, FTX may be the biggest one that we see at $30, you know, $2 billion, which I can't continue to fathom how that disappeared. Right. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch. But yep. in the meantime, uh, we wanted to take a moment, kind of explain what happened. As you can tell, we're, we're pretty uh, elevated about this topic mm-hmm. because it is baffling to us how this could happen. But we also recognize that the news just kind of there's a lot of there's a lot of headlines on this and you know we just kind of want to break it down for our audience to understand exactly what happened and not to talk negative about crypto that's not what this was about it was to bring to light what happened that right. this is the this is the largest ponzi scheme in the united states period that that'll go down in history right, right now uh, there may be one greater there always seems to be based on the ones that we've seen from the original charles ponzi all the way to madoff and now to sam bankman fried but we wanted to bring to light that and then obviously you and i are big on real estate sure and this isn't an I told you so podcast at all. This is just saying that, you know, when there's all these negative headlines about real estate, and there's all this knock that's going on about real estate, and we talk about the news is not your friend. What a great example of, yeah, but you know what? I'm not 
<laughs> I'm not losing millions, billions of dollars in real estate and it's not being taken from me where I don't have any recourse. Right. And at the end of the day, uh, it's good to have a healthy balance of a portfolio between sure. equities, cash, and real estate. Yep. And in some cases, in, in declining markets or markets of uncertainty, real estate might be your safest asset. Sure. So, um, well, Alex, thanks again for your time. Yep. Always enjoy having you on the show. Charlie, thanks for your input on here, man. I know that uh, this breaks your heart because you're a crypto fan through and through. Well, <clears throat> I will add this, as you talked about, like the ripple effect. I think a lot of times, at least when I like look up YouTubes and all this stuff, no one's really talking about the emotional implications. Mm. And, you know, I think that if anybody has not come clean with their wife or <laughs> whoever, <laughs> it's probably time to, yeah. to do that and just be honest with yourself. You're not alone. Like we, I don't think that anybody, um, whether it was you or, you know, any of the sure. guys that you work with, no one saw this coming, you oh, know, and, and we were listening to people that were smarter than us. I mean, maybe we saw certain well, flags. I think, I think maybe the, you're the only you know, one. That well, saw no, 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 no. If, you don't, if you don't drink the Kool-Aid, you, you might have seen this coming. That's right. I can tell you, there was probably, you know, they, they say that, they say, show me your, your five people, show me, show me your circle of five and I'll show you your future, you know? Um, and, you become you become that of your sum of your friends you hang out right. with. So if you're hanging out with people drinking the Kool Aid, yeah. you you're yeah. Going, I never asked for this. You brought it be, to my attention. Right. They're you're like, going to be drinking and having a good time with them because as you get in, it's that intoxication, mm -hmm. you know, of the rise, right? And like Alex said, everyone's a smart investor at that point. But if part of your circle, and this is this this goes for anything in life, if part of your circle is a healthy balance of naysayers and yes people, yeah. you're going to get the best of both worlds. But right. if you're all yes, yeah. you know. That's, that's a bad position to be in. So it's good to have a healthy balance of people that say, well, I disagree and here's why. And, and I'm not saying surround yourself with negative people. Just because someone disagrees with you, it doesn't make them negative. It just makes you appear, appreciate Difference of opinions. the other side yep. of the coin. Yeah. And it's really important that you have that kind of diversity in your circle. I think it's so smart. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you both for your time today. Uh, if you want more of this, please check us out on YouTube at What's Your One More. Also check us out on Instagram at What's Your One More. And also check us out on Apple and Spotify at What's Your One More. Guys, thank you again for being on the show and uh, definitely appreciate your time today. Awesome. Thank you. Got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah.